Matt, what upcoming Doctor Who villain in recent Mama was named Queen of All Queens in RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star Season 7? Oh dear. How about Jujubee? Sorry, it's Jinx Monsoon. Drew, which witch bewitched Odysseus and his men on her island, turning them into swine? Oh, crap. Um, I'm not going to get there in a reasonable amount of time. Okay, that's Cersei. Yes. Brian, what is the field of study for a mycologist? Mushrooms and fungi. That's correct. Tim, what singer-songwriter from Cleveland is best known for hit singles like Fast Car and Give Me One Reason? Oh, crap. It's uh, Tracy Chapman. That's correct. Matt, true or false? Johann Conrad Dippel, a German alchemist, occultist, and relative of frenemy co-host Tim, was born in Castle Frankenstein and is considered an inspiration for the character Victor Frankenstein. True. That's correct. Drew, what creator of Shannara also wrote the novelization of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace? Uh, I never read any of the novelizations. I got nothing. Uh, answer? I got okay. nothing. Terry Brooks. Brian. What writer of the Forgotten Realms also wrote a novelization of Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones? R.A. Salvatore. Correct. Tim, what four-time Pulitzer Prize-winning poet wrote the poems Birches and Fire and Ice? I got nothing. Robert Frost. Matt, what sound effect first publicly heard in 1977 was made by moving a microphone next to a TV set? Lightsaber. Correct. Drew. What singer-songwriter from Long Branch is known for songs like Hungry Heart and Reason to Believe? Um, the only singer-songwriter I can think of from that region is Bruce Springsteen. That's correct. Like, is there a trap somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> Brian, give one of two U.S. states to have a capital named for a president whose last name began with J. Missouri. That's correct. The other is Mississippi. Tim. Tanner Bybee made his MLB pitching debut in 2023 against the Rockies, wearing number 61 for what AL Central team? That's the uh, Cleveland Guardians. Correct. Matt, who was the first woman to receive a medical degree in the United States? Uh, God, her name just left my brain. Elizabeth, Elizabeth something. Oh, I, I pass. Uh, Elizabeth Blackwell. That's her. Drew, what capital of Syria lends its name to a type of steel used in bladesmithing? Damascus. Correct. Brian, what band surprisingly from Jacksonville and not Bettendorf is known for hits like Space Jam and Four Minute Twerk Out? <laughs> Quad City DJs. That's correct. Tim, what movie released in 1997 was nominated for 14 Oscars and won 11 of them? Titanic. That's correct. Matt, in Star Trek Voyager, what is the hull number of the USS Voyager? Oh, you evil woman. Oh, that's so painful. Okay, let me let me visualize it. NCC seven four nine five six. Sorry, it's NCC seven four six five six. You were so close. Man. I, flipped it, I flipped it upside down. <laughs> Drew, in the animated series The Batman, Arthur Artie Brown was a long-running champion on Think Thank Thunk before he lost and unlocked his villain origin story. What is his villain name? I hate that you're getting me on a Batman question. I, I've seen this, but just once, and oh my god, I forget. So no, I got nothing. It's Clue Master. Brian, what writer and illustrator did the iconic cover art for the original Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Player's Handbook? The artwork for the cover for the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons Player's Handbook. 
Okay, so that's first edition. That is the classic, iconic picture of the big sitting idol holding two great big braziers and with gemstones for eyes and they're up there prying out the gemstone. And I have to figure out which of the artists it was. Illingworth. Uh, it's David Trampier. Oh my God, I should have <laughs> had that. I hear he's trampier than Illingworth. <laughs> and Tim, only including episodes available on the U.S. version of Disney+. Plus. Which of these composers has been featured in the most episodes of Bluey? Johann Sebastian Bach, Ludwig von Beethoven, or Johannes Brahms? I think it's Beethoven. I'm sorry, it's Bach. At the end of the hot seat, it is Matt with 200 points, Drew with 200 points, Brian with 400 points, and Tim with 300 points. Welcome to Frenemy Trivia. First was the hot seat round. Each player received five questions worth 100 points each. Next, teams will be randomized with their hot seat scores combined and 1,000 points added to each team. Teams will receive up to four sets of three questions. Each team will answer the same questions and wager 100, 200, or 300 points on their confidence. They will gain or lose their wager based on whether they get it right or not. They will also bet those same values on how difficult they think it will be for their opponents. If their opponent gets it correct, they lose their wager. But if their opponent gets it wrong, they will win their bet. After four sets of questions or when a team runs out of points, the first round will end with the team with fewer points being eliminated. At this point, the friends become the enemies. The remaining team will divide whatever points they have left and play again against each other with the same rules. In this round, locking in an answer will trigger a 30 second timer for the other player to register their answer. After four sets of questions, or when a player runs out of points, we will crown this week's Frenemy Champion. Now, let's start the show. Welcome to Frenemy Trivia, where friends quickly become enemies. I'm your host, Brittany Shaw, and today I have a special guest host and partner in crime, Aaron Mayers, because Tim wanted a play or whatever. So Aaron, how are you doing? What you drinking? I'm doing fantastic. I'm just happy now where I live. It is actually below 90 degrees. I will gladly take that at this point. And currently I am quaffing a 2023 bottle of Squirt Zero Sugar. Perfect. It is delicious. Let's see if I can, can we, can we get a little bit of a, uh... can we get I it? I mean, oh, yeah, there we go. There it, it was is. worth waiting for. Oops. Everything's worth waiting for. You'll find it. <laughs> well, uh, it's great to hear from you. We'll hear from more from Tim soon, but first let's jump into meeting today's other players. You heard them in the hot seat. First off in San Diego, California, it's Matt. Matt, how you doing? What you drinking? And who would you consider your friend of me? Oh, dear. Well, um, I just got off work, so I'm much better now. Um, <laughs> currently, I am drinking, uh, or I'm about to drink, a 12-ounce bottle of cane sugar IBC root beer. So let's see if I can get some. There we go. Ooh. Nice. 
and my frenemy, well, you might hear from one of them later, but ones that are not on this show, I would say number one would have to be Gary Middleton because, man, he has really stumped me in the past and <laughs> I, I need to get him back one of these days. Yeah, we love Gary, but he can be a stumper. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's great to hear from you. We're moving across the country to New Jersey, where we have the beloved Drew Buxbaum. Drew, how you doing? What you drinking? And who would you consider your frenemy? Beloved. Ooh. I, guess I mean, you check... are our first repeat guest. Mm-hmm. I guess the check cleared. All right. I'm right here. Yeah, Technically, Brian, you were on episode two. <laughs> and Drew went first. But Drew, how are you doing? What you drinking? And who would you consider to be your friend? Well, I'm doing all right. Uh, It was humid as hell in Jersey today. So uh, I'm just glad that it's cooling off a little right now. Um, I tonight am drinking a a glass of Josh Merlot. Um, Highly recommend their cab over their Merlot. And my friend of me, after that, uh, after that little open, you, Brittany, you're my friend of me. That's the correct answer. Uh, Well, I had a lot of fun writing a question that I hoped would challenge you. So, um, (laughs) yeah, and the look says everything. Uh, So we're going to move back towards the middle of the country, specifically the worst side of the Mississippi River in Muscatine, Iowa, where Brian Nash lives. Brian, how you doing? What you drinking? And who would you consider your frenemy? Man, you are really trying to get me to say that my frenemy is you, aren't you? Um, However, I'm going to not say Brittany. Uh, actually, my my probably my number one friend of me at this point is Mr. Nick Groves, because Nick is the only person in my friend circle who can consistently beat me at chess, and it really pisses me off. Tonight, I am drinking. I'm having a new one that I have not had before. We do have a brewery here in Muscatine. It's Contrary Brewing, and I am trying their Pollinator Honey Wheat. It comes in at just 5% ABV, but I have heard very good things about this one. They're a great little brewery, and let's see how this sounds. Sounded pretty good. Beautiful. How does it taste? Oh, that will do nicely. Yeah. But did it bring you pictures of (laughs) Spider-Man? And finally, in Fayetteville, North Carolina, my normal host, co-host, whatever you want to call him, my Timesis. It's Tim Dipple. Tim, how you doing? What you drinking? And who would you consider your frenemy? I am doing well, Brittany. A little bit confused, so I'm going to say that my frenemy is the wormhole I must have stepped through that put Aaron on that side of the game <laughs> and me on this side, uh, because clearly we're... Don't worry, Tim. We're switched. She couldn't get it straight either, because she already called me Tim in this spot. <laughs> Did I? I caught that. You did it again, kid. <laughs> you did it again. All right, take it away, Tim. I've never seen you turn that bright red before. <laughs> when she goes in the sun. All right, trying to be a trivia is played in. <laughs> uh, Tim, go ahead and finish. Sorry. And, and I am drinking. Which one of us? <laughs> I, I am drinking. I've had this on the show before from Intuition Ale Works. It's their I-10 West Coast IPA. Uh, so let's see here. And, uh, I mean, I know I love this one. And I am ready to actually play some trivia and see what it's like to be put through what we regularly put all of you fuckers through. Um, I'm not 
nearly intoxicated enough for what shenanigans are about to happen. So I am going to describe what I'm drinking, which I have a bunch of Star Wars nerds here. So I thought, what better than an Admiral Ackbeer is a Travis? <laughs> well done. I have that shirt. Oh. Ooh. That's a Travis. Yep. Yes. I really need you to send me some of that. Uh, you know, next time I'm at Imperial Oak, if they have more, I'll pick up another four-pack so that I can. Um, but I'm not allowed to ship alcohol because it's illegal, I asked at the post office. Uh, only distribu- licensed distributors can send it. That's why you market bees. Bees? <laughs> then they won't look inside. Yeah, you don't market alcohol. <laughs> you know what? Enough about me and my beer choices, which are awesome. Let's jump into the team round. Today's matchup is Matt and Brian taking on Drew and Tim. Oh, I think you missed said that. I believe it's Matt and Brian losing to Drew and Tim. Well, we'll see. Matt and Brian, you're going to be starting with 1,600 points. Drew and Tim, you'll be starting with 1,500. I'm going to read off your first three categories, and then you'll send in your wagers. Your categories for round one are Stargate in Geography, Star Trek, in science, and Star Wars in people. Go ahead and send your wagers over to Aaron. Oh, you really wrote to your audience, didn't you? Both teams are locked in. Uh, Your wagers are in. Your first question in section one is Stargate in geography. Matt, what did you and Brian wager on your own abilities on Stargate in geography? I know some about each of these. I know the least about Stargate, so I suggested 100 and Brian accommodated me. And I completely agreed. Uh, Stargate is, of the three, my weakest, too, so we went 100. And Drew, how about you and Tim? Uh, That requires me to remember the numbers. Uh, Yeah, let me pull that up real quick. We're banking on some uh, knowledge of Tim's Stargate abilities to get a clue there, so we went 200 on that. Well, here's your question. Though probably not a conspiracy to collect star fingerprints and autographs, 200 different slabs of concrete in the forecourt of which Hollywood movie palace prove that many a performer has walked through that metaphorical stargate? Yeah, I think we're locked in. Yeah, we're locked in. Drew and Tim are locked. Matt and Brian, you can talk this one out. Living in SoCal, I have been to this place. We typically just call it the Grumman's Theater. We have dropped the possibly... Racist uh, a title that's associated with that. So, yeah, we've just been calling Grumman's Theater. I concur. And Tim and Drew, what did y'all come up with? Drew goofed it up, apparently. I put uh, Man's Chinese Theater. I forgot the Grumman part. Tim, what did you wager on Matt and Brian here? Unfortunately, we gave them 300 here. And Brian, what did y'all give Drew and Tim? We gave them 300 as well. Yeah, Matt living in Southern California probably does help. This is the TCL or Groman's Chinese Theater. And the style is very much like a Chinese palace. So I think that's where it takes the name. There's also a, Ch- a Groman's Egyptian Theater, yeah. uh, apparently, that was operated. It's, but... it's, it's one of those titles that just ha- kind of stuck, you know, for good or ill. So both teams are going to pick up credit on that one because uh, you knew it. Aaron, what did that do to our scores? Right now, Matt and Brian and Drew and Tim both tied at 400. Um, Wait, what? 400? I'm sorry, 1,400. <laughs> Thank you. Don't scare us like that. Yeah. 
I lost like a chunk Whoa! of time. It's a real frenemy. You don't start with a thousand points. I'm just kidding. <laughs> a, re- a real frenemy is math. Back to you, Brianna. Thanks, A.A. Ron. You done fucked up, A.A. Ron. <laughs> I'm so sorry, hon. Um, I will call you the right name maybe eventually. Question two in section one is in the category of Star Trek, which is science. Tim, what did you wager on you and Drew here? We felt the least strong on this one, so we wagered 100. And Brian, you and Matt? Again, uh, Matt knows Star Trek better than pretty much anybody I know. We went 300 on this one. Your question. Doing so in March 1965 and July 1984, respectively, Give the name of either the first man or first woman to perform a Star Trek or spacewalk. All right, I think we're locked in now. Okay, Matt and Brian, talk it out. All right, we were just kind of wrapping up our conversation anyway. We know for sure who the first man in space was, and that was Yuri Gagarin. I'm not sure who the first one was to actually step outside. 84 was around the time that Sally Ride was an active astronaut, and not completely positive it was her, but it feels kind of right. So, Matt, the, you the want to go ahead? I was, yeah, the other thing I was thinking of for 65, um, I feel like that was when John Glenn was testing for Apollo, and I know he was the first one to do the orbit, and so that would make sense that he would be the first one to spacewalk. But I feel like Sally Ride's more solid ground, but... uh I, w- I would go with Sally Ride, but I think John Glenn was here. Okay. I, I'm okay with Sally Ride. We can lock that in. Okay, let's lock in. Okay, lock in and Sally Ride. Tim and Drew, share your thoughts. Well, we were really hoping you'd go John Glenn. <laughs> uh, we, we, we actually had a similar conversation. Um, I threw out Sally Ride immediately because I can name off the top of my head, unfortunately, just two female astronauts who were successful. Uh, and I say that because obviously, you know, Christy McAuliffe, rest in peace. But I was like, it would be before Mae Jemison. So we lo- we locked in with Sally Ride. I also think that the guy is, it's one of the bigger names. It's somebody like Aldrin or Glenn. It's it's one of those that like everybody knows for other things. Was it Alan uh, Shepard? It might have been, but it's one of those bigger names. But we locked in with Sally Ride. And what did you wager on Matt and Brian here? Uh, 100. We were also scared of Matt's Star Trek knowledge. And Matt, what did you and Brian wager? Uh, we went 200. Unfortunately, both teams seem to have forgotten about the Russian cosmonaut program. The first man to do a spacewalk was Alexei Leonov. Ten weeks later, Ed White would become the first American astronaut to do so. And then Svetlana Savitskaya was the first woman to perform a spacewalk. And then Later that year, Kathy Sullivan would become the first American woman to do a spacewalk. We didn't forget. Brian definitely said uh, Russians, and uh, I said, eh. Yeah. <laughs> but I could, even if we had settled on Russians, I don't think we would have come up with either of those names. I, that is totally I, fair. I think I have heard of Leonov, but there's no way I was pulling that one. I'm just boycotting Russia. Oh, that's totally fair. I support that. They did walk in space first, though, unfortunately, so... I do have to stick with the facts there. I don't know. With the way things go, I think they might have just claimed they walked in space. Has anyone actually fact-checked this? <laughs> the internet? <laughs> but Aaron, what did they do to our scores? 
Currently, Drew and Tim gained no ground, but they also lost no ground. Sitting at 1,400 points still, Matt and Brian slipped a little bit to 1,300 points. And we go into question three, which is Star Wars in the category of people. Brian, what did you wager on you and Matt here? Uh, this one, the only one we had left was 200. And Drew, how about you and Tim? It's the one category of the three where we overlap, so 300. Then let's see how this goes for you. Star Wars, between the fans of which two most followed women on Instagram, have been ongoing since early 2023. Things really picked up in March when the 30-year-old self-made multimillionaire actress, producer, director, singer, and cosmetics company founder and chairperson surpassed the follower count of the 25-year-old multimillionaire socialite and cosmetics company founder and chairperson. Give both names and first names are required. All right. Brian and I are going to lock in. Okay, Matt and Brian are locked in. That means, Tim and Drew, you have the opportunity to talk this out. Right, okay, well. Drew, I, I, I think that Kylie that Jenner's answer correct. is probably the best we're going to get. We know we know the 25-year-old is Kylie Jenner. Um, or at least we're fairly certain on that one. We both the, said the, that immediately. Uh, the best we're, we're, guess that I had that cracks most of the categories uh, and is probably right around the right age for 30. I'm worried she's a few years older, but it is what it is, uh, is Selena Gomez. Yeah, I mean, I threw out the Taylor Swift, but she's too old to be that person because she's 33 now. God, you're so Hollywood saying 33 is too old, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I'm 33, no. Tim. Apologize she, she, to Brian. She, she, She's not too old. She's just too old to fit the 30-year-old self-made millionaire. Hey, if she was uh, a good actress, she could fit the 30-year-old self-made but, millionaire. Yeah, she's 33, th- turns 34 in December. Uh, <laughs> my wife's a big Swifty. I, I know way more than the average person. Um, right. It's your wife. I mean, she, she's got good music, too. But I love um, Taylor. I'm just going to throw I'm, that out there. Taylor, if you're with, listening in front of me. <laughs> I am good with locking in with uh, Kylie Jenner and Selena Gomez. Maybe we can get them on as frenemies and be on the show. Uh, that'd be fun. <laughs> we don't want that drama. Uh, if it is those two. We don't want any Hollywood drama, I don't think. Well, I'm inviting some to the wedding. Okay. Well, Brian and Matt, what did you come up with here? Well, we said Taylor Swift. <laughs> so... so. Uh, but we also said Kylie Jenner. Um, I have I pay no attention to celebrities of this stature. Brian was like, I have absorbed some of this, so we just went with those. Yeah, yeah. How did y'all feel that Drew and Tim would do here? Well, Brian said that uh, they have good Star Wars knowledge, so we went with one. And Tim and Drew, how did you feel about Matt and Brian? We gave them 200. Okay. So Kylie Jenner was the 25-year-old who apparently her company is kind of suffering as a result of this because her comments uh, about the other person have been taken as body shaming. And she's also been blaming this other person for her cosmetic empire crashing. The other one, self-made multimillionaire, actress, producer, director, singer, and cosmetics company founder and chairperson. She's also a philanthropist and literally like her family was, she was born into poverty. This is Selena Gomez. So like very much started from the bottom. Now we hear and she's doing amazing and she's really open about her struggles with lupus. Her cosmetics company, Rare Beauty, uh, actually donates part of the proceeds to mental health charities. Good pull, Drew. If we have to pick sides, I'm picking Team Selena versus Team Kylie any day of the week. 
literally drew said um what's the chick on only murders in the building i'm mm-hmm. blanking and i went selena gomez uh there you go so so i couldn't um, have gotten there without you tim good pull there you go tim and drew you got that one right and matt and brian unfortunately missed it so aaron what does that mean for our scores one question can make a huge difference in front of me trivia. It was a 100-point lead heading into our final question of the first round. It is now a 900-point lead. Drew and Tim have 1,900 points. Matt and Brian with 1,000. And uh, I hope y'all don't hate me too much for giving you Stargate, Star Trek, and Star Wars with none of them being those. Tease. A little bit. Um, speaking of tease, let's talk about Section 2. Your categories are Synthesize Me, Science Daddy. In Science canonize me space daddy in film and tv and villainize me sky daddy in religion and mythology go ahead and send your wagers over (laughs) yeah so behind the scenes for our listeners and for the other people who don't know the story so a couple weeks ago i was trying to write some questions and i was and it was late at night because i had a huge stressful week at work but i still had to get stuff written Um, So I was trying to look for a list of people who were considered like the father of their fields, like scientists, like the father of modern chemistry, Antoine Lavoisier, stuff like that. Um, So I typed something into Google search and then I covered up the tab because I was doing other things. Well, so I go back the next day and I go over to that tab and apparently what I had Googled was science daddies. So uh, not quite the same results, but wages are entered. Wagers are entered. Okay. So in the question of synthesize me, science daddy, a science question, Tim, what did you and Drew wager on your abilities here? We kind of felt like this was our weakest category. So we put 100 on it. And Brian, what did you and Matt do? This one was kind of in the middle. So we went 200 on this. Okay. Your question in synthesize me, science daddy. Galen Urso works on synthesizing kyber crystals in which Rogue One novel that shares its one-word title with the substance first realized by British chemist Elizabeth Fulham. The substance works by lowering the activation energy of a chemical reaction without being consumed by that reaction. All right, we're locked. Okay, Tim and Drew are locked. Brian and Matt, you can talk this out. Yes. Okay. In which Rogue One novel? So I have not read any Star Wars, any more recent, any of the more recent Star Wars novels. But I've written trivia questions about them. I didn't know there was actually more than one Rogue One novel. <laughs> so okay. I, that shows you how much I pay attention to the recent the recent books. Um, I've written trivia questions, though, about uh, the extended Star Wars universe. And I think, if I remember my high school science correctly... The substance that lowers the activation energy of a chemical reaction without being consumed by that reaction. I think that's a catalyst. Yeah, and that fits with the Galen Urso bit because he was the one who engineered the design flaw into the Death Star that they were able to right. and lev- that, leverage into blowing it up. That, that's, that feels right for yeah. uh, what I had done in the past, so I feel pretty good about catalyst. Yeah, let's go with it. All right. We're going Catalyst. Uh, okay, you're going Catalyst. And Tim and Drew, what did you say? So as I said to Brittany in our private Discord, you bitch, you absolute bitch. Uh, because you wrote a question in the category of Star Wars, and it had nothing to do with Star Wars. And then you wrote a question in Synthesize Me, Science Daddy, and made it a Star Wars question. <laughs> 
Star Wars is not science fiction. <laughs> no, it's science fantasy, but that's fine. I, I read the question and I went, fuck, I know this, but I can't pull it. And then Drew. I pulled it so I own the book. Can't remember if I read it because a lot of the newer stuff I've bought and not read. But I couldn't pull the book title. Then I approached it from the science side, got to Catalyst, and then I was like, that rings a bell as one of the books. And as soon as I said it, Tim was like, 100%, that's it. Yep. As soon as he said it, I knew that was the name of the book. I just wasn't drawing it. Okay. So we locked in with Catalyst. All right. Both teams locking in with Catalyst. Uh, Drew, what did you think Brian and Matt would do here? We thought this was kind of in the middle for them. So we said 200. And uh, Matt, what did you say for Tim and Drew here? We went with three. Well, both teams are correct. This is Catalyst. And yeah, it was a Star Wars question. In the category that didn't say Star Wars. I see how this is going to go. Look, my frenemy co-host is a player on this. I had to mess with y'all a little bit. A little bit? (laughs) A little bit is relative. Both teams picked this one up. But I think we had one of those fun situations here at Frenemy Trivia where you can both get a question right and both lose points. Aaron, what did that shake out to here? That's exactly what happened here. Both teams got it right, but both teams losing 100 points. As we head into our next question, with 1,800 points for Drew and Tim, Matt and Brian with 900. This one is in Canonize Me Space Daddy in film and TV. Brian, what did you and Matt say for your abilities here? We felt kind of good about uh, TV and movies, so we went 300. And Drew and Tim, what did you say for yourselves here? We also felt like this was our strongest option, so we said 300. Okay. Your question in Canonize Me Space Daddy. How many canon Star Trek films and TV series have there been in the franchise from 1966 until now? This includes animated shows and the Kelvin timeline, but does not include miniseries or any upcoming projects. You bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just realized what you did. Because I know what the next question is going to be about. Supposedly. But do you know what this question is? Because that's what we're on right now. All right, we're going to go ahead and lock in. Okay, Drew and Tim are locked in. Brian and Matt, you can talk this out. Okay. So, from the top. The original series. The animated series. Next Generation. D-Space Nine. Enterprise. Then we had Jump Forward to Discovery. Then after Discovery, we had uh, Lower Decks. And then Picard. Did you say Voyager? Oh, I see, Brian, this is why I wanted you on my team. <laughs> <laughs> Voyager was in between D-Space Nine and Enterprise. Yep, that's where I thought you were going next. Like, wait, yep. wait, I think we missed one. Yep. No, you got it. You got it. You got, you got me. All right. So Discovery, Lower Decks, Picard, Prodigy was the one they just announced that was getting canceled. Sad. And what was the other one? Oh, Strange New Worlds. Those last five are the ones that are currently in production or just have wrapped production. I don't think we're counting Phase 2 because Phase 2 never actually got released. Okay. So then we have 1 through 6 as the classic crew films. We have Generations as the overlap where Kirk meets Picard. We have First Contact. We have Insurrection. We have Nemesis. Nemesis. That's the one I was trying to remember the name yeah. of and couldn't. And then in the in the JJ verse, there were three. Yeah. It's just 2009 Star Trek, Into Darkness, and Star Trek Beyond. 
So by my count, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen films plus two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven uh, series. It gives us twenty-four. I concur. Okay, let me access the deep memory and see if I'm actually forgetting anything completely obvious right. here. Enter, enter your <sighs> mental. Uh... <laughs> Mind your, your mental Mind memory alpha. Yeah, exactly. Memory alpha, that's right. One might even call it his data bank. Uh, oh. Now see, if I we're want being, a new frenemy. If we're being a little looser with the definitions, I would totally include Galaxy Quest because it is definitely the best Star Trek film. You are not uh, wrong. Yeah. Um, the yeah. Orville doesn't count either. Okay. Let's, let's lock in with 24 then. Jack Bauer okay. said so. Locking it with 24. Tim and All Drew, right. what'd you come up with? I don't feel so bad right now because the... We were very close to that. The the team that has the guy that knows the most I've ever known about Star Trek. Uh, <laughs> that was my Brian Nash impression, everyone. <laughs> oh, that sucked. Got 24 where... We, <laughs> bring me pictures of Spider-Man. Um, uh, <laughs> they got 24. We, we came close with counting ours. We gave ourselves a little wiggle room for error too, and we came up with twenty-three. Yeah, we said twenty-one and said we're bound to be forgetting a couple, so let's just add two for good measure. And uh said twenty-three. Okay. Saying twenty-three. What did y'all think that Brian and Matt would do on this question? The guy who knows more than anybody about anything on Star Trek, uh, we gave them one hundred. Uh, and Brian is no slouch at film. So, yeah, we gave him 100. And Brian, what did you and Matt come up with? We also gave them, knowing that between the two of them, they know their film and TV pretty well. So we also went 100 for them. Well, the properties are, in the original series, The Motion Picture, The Wrath of Khan, The Search for Spock, The Voyage Home, The Final Frontier, The Undiscovered Country, in the next generation films, Generations, First Contact, Insurrection, Nemesis, in the Kelvin timeline, Star Trek, Into Darkness, and Beyond, in broadcast television, the original series, The Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, Enterprise, and then Discovery, Picard, Strange New Worlds, the animated series, Lower Decks, and Prodigy, all in all, that gives us 24 properties. Yay, redeemed! (laughs) Well done, sir. (laughs) <laughs> for a guy who has never watched much star trek uh i'm pretty proud that we got to 23 yeah, 23 is pretty good yeah. would, you know what if if brian hadn't been there we would have said 23 too because i skipped over voyager so i mean this is the nicest way fuck you brian <laughs> <laughs> what can i say except you're welcome <laughs> and bring me pictures of spider-man bring me pictures of the enterprise <laughs> Well, I know that Matt and Brian were a little bit further behind going into that question, but Aaron, what does it look like now? Remember the 900-point lead that Drew and Tim had over Matt and Brian at the end of round one? Sure do. It's gone. Currently, Drew and Tim lead Matt and Brian 1,400 to 1,300, heading into our final question of round two. On an 800-point swing, which can happen. What row, Raggy? Uh, So your last (laughs) question in this section is, villainize me, Sky Daddy, in religion and mythology. And Drew, what did you and Tim come up with here for yourselves? Uh, For ourselves, we went with two hundo. And Brian and Matt, 
What'd you come up with for yourselves here? Uh, we went with 100 on this one. So in Villainize Me, Sky Daddy, which Tim is so sure he knows what it's about. Kind of ripping off the tagline from a 1986 movie, what Stargate Goa'uld villain stated that there can only be one of him, and then went on to take over the body of a Tauri host, kind of negating that premise since there were now two. He shares his name with a sun god and the IATA code for Nepal Airlines. All right, Matt, what do you say we go ahead and lock that in? All right, we're locking in. Okay. Okay, Matt and Brian are locked in. Drew and Tim, you can talk this out, Mr. I'm so sure I know what you're going to ask. Uh, he he was he was spot on. I mean, I, I said that you did a question in categories that were Stargate, Star Wars, and Star Trek and asked nothing related to them. And then you turned around and asked questions with categories not related to it and then gave us a Star Wars and a Star Trek. So it was going to so follow the Stargate. Was was Stargate. Um, I am a huge Stargate fan, and I'm feeling like... Okay, so the Egyptian sun god is is Ra. But the problem is is that I feel like the description you have doesn't line up with the terminology in either the movie or the show. That's where we're kind of... Now that's where Tim's held up. I, I know nothing <laughs> about Stargate, so I can't approach it from the show. I just know that Tim was like... Okay, it's gonna be Egyptian, and the only Egyptian sun god I can name is Ra. Now, there's probably like another one that you know was somewhat involved. I want some of that mac and cheese, Aaron. God damn it! Uh (laughs) I'm good with locking in Ra. I feel like some of it might be my memory, and some of it might be just they kind of retroactively assign the terminology, but. Taking over the body of a tar. Yeah, I, I guess mm, this is driving me nuts. We're going to lock in with Ra and just yeah. put Tim out of his misery. Yeah, okay. let's, let's locking with Ra to put Tim out of his misery. Matt and Brian, what'd you come up with? Well, I hope you're right, because that's what we said, too. This is actually the first time I've heard anybody mention IATA codes outside of the work that I used to do. I was like, wow, that's having to do with shipping and receiving. I actually know something about that. So uh, those those codes are typically pretty short, uh, two or three letters. So we felt pretty comfortable locking in raw. Raw, raw, raw. Sis, boom, ba. Or, you know, raw, 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 uh, uh. <laughs> Matt and Brian, what did you say for Tim and Drew's abilities here? Bunch of bad romance. We put them down for 200. That's all we had left. And Tim, what did you and Drew come up with for Matt and Brian? Brian is a avowed atheist, as he's talked about on Boozy Bracketology, especially. So we, religion and mythology, gave them 300. Well, both teams are correct. This is, in fact, raw. I've never seen Stargate before, so I'm not sure if maybe they retroactively applied some terminology. I will tell you I pulled this off of the Stargate wiki. So, like, the specific one, not just Wikipedia, but Stargate wiki. So, um... I just want it known that I blind shot called this answer. Mm-hmm. Uh, because as you soon as you saying it's b- going to be one of three, but b- b- before you started even reading the question, before you started that, I said Ra, and then I said or Apophis or Anubis. But my first instinct was Ra. <laughs> I will let you know that I thought you might do this, and I almost decided to punish everyone for it and ask about <laughs> Bale. 
um, <laughs> which is an entirely different villain and an entirely different mythology. But Ball, I thought that would be fair. Bachi? Yeah, as in Bachi. Um, I didn't think it would be fair to your fellow players. So I was a little bit nice here. This was the round where I was being nice to y'all after being so mean in the previous round. Uh, you both got it correct. It is raw. Aaron, what does that mean going into section three? There was a little bit of a backslide heading into round number three today. Currently, the score sits with Drew and Tim at 1,300, Matt and Brian with 1,200. And here's your categories for section three. It also works great as a Blink-182 title in music. Let's get Ute Lit in literature and don't mess with the in people. And Brittany, while everyone's busy working on their scores... Mm-hmm. I would just like to say, oh, yes, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how can Not I help you? Not to derail anyone. <laughs> how can I help you? <laughs> you get a response. <laughs> Is that you? I haven't seen you since you left left for milk years ago. You know, uh, calcium is very important, son. <laughs> All right, scores are locked in. Let's start into question one of section three. Brian, what did you and Matt say on your abilities? And it also works great as a Blink-182 title, a music question. We were kind of feeling so-so on this one. Music could be great. It could be really bad. So we went 200. Okay, fair. Tim, what did you and uh, Drew come up with? Yeah, of the three, this kind of felt like our strongest one. So we put 300 on it. Okay, well, then here's your question. Oh, and before I read it, I will let you know that this question was provided by Aaron. So thank you, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Oh, don't thank me yet. (laughs) Listed by Rolling Stone as one of the 500 greatest songs of all time. What song, written by David Bowie, wasn't even released under his own name until 23 years after it was recorded? A band featuring Ian Hunter and Mick Ralphs would take it to the top 40 in 1972. All right, we're uh, we're begrudgingly locked in with an answer we don't like. The begrudging lock-in has been heard. Brian and Matt, you can talk this out. Um. Okay. I, I'm spending way too much brain power trying to come up with the band name. We don't need the band name. We need the song. One of the 500 greatest songs of all time. It was written by Bowie. It wasn't even released under his own name until 23 years after it was recorded. So if it 1972. Was I would put it in the mid '90s, so '94, '95, maybe was when it got his name on it. That's about the time when yeah, '95 when uh, George Michael was around. Yeah, yeah. Okay, just a dumb question. the The names Ian Hunter and Mick Ralphs, something just clicked in my head. What about Under Pressure? Yeah, let's do it. That sounds perfect. Um, because that was Queen, and they sued it. They sued them because it got used in Vanilla Ice or in Ice Ice Baby. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go under pressure. Locking in under pressure, Tim and Drew. What did you think of and come up with? Bad I really hope around. it's not that, because uh, we ruled that out. Because I thought it would be later, or I mean, earlier than what we're talking about here. We really didn't have much to lock in on here. I don't know who Ian Hunter or Mick Rouse is. So we just started listing Blink-182 songs. And we just locked in with Adam's song. 
Locking with Adam song. And what did you give Brian and Matt on this? 100. And Brian and Matt, what did you give Drew and Tim? Same. 100. <laughs> yeah, we gave them 100. Okay. Well, neither team got this one correct. Uh, this song was All the Young Dudes. So it explains why Brian couldn't think of it. Uh, <laughs> when I heard this title, I was like, All the Young Dudes, which is why it uh, works great as Blake 182 title. Aaron, I think you have some flavor text on this. Yeah, David Bowie did write the song in 1972. He offered them a different song, but they didn't want it. So they did take All the Young Dudes. David Bowie actually appears in the background of it. And at the time, Mick Ralphs and Ian Hunter were both in a band called Mott the Hoople, who recorded it in 1972 and took it to the top 40 in the United States. The David Bowie references that it wouldn't be released onto any sort of form until 1995 when it was released and a set of rarities. Well, I feel glad to know I would never have said that. <laughs> no, there was absolutely no way for me to get there. Well, both teams missed that one and lost some points there. Aaron, what does that look like going into question two? It looks like a very fascinating setup as far as I'm concerned. Right now, both teams are dead heated. 1,100 points heading into our next question. Well, that question is called Let's Get Ute Lit, a literature question. Tim, what did you and Drew wager on yourselves here? Yeah, we didn't know what you meant by ute. Uh, so literature is kind of our weakest category, and we said uh, 100. And Matt, what did you and Brian say? We hedged our bets on this one as well because we, we, were sure, we weren't sure which way it was going to go, so we went 100 as well. Okay. Your question in Let's Get Ute Lit, ute meaning youth. Let's Get Ute Lit, a question in literature. Ridley Pearson's Kingdom Keepers series takes place in dream versions of locations owned by what company who also publishes the books? All right. Brian and I are sharing a mind. We're locked in. Okay. Yes. Brian with their mind melds locked in. Tim and Drew, you can talk this one out. Well, this is one that if I had been playing this in the second half, I probably would have just locked in and forced another the other person to have to come up with something. Yeah, you should put that rule in the first half, too. <laughs> so we don't have a whole lot of things. I can name probably three book publishers, and that's, you know, the two you named, which were uh, Random House and Penguin, and then there's Tor uh, is the only other one I could name, T-O-R. Um, I, got, I got nothing beyond Random House and Penguin. If you know Tor and you think it's a better answer... I don't know that it's a better answer. It's just an answer. I, I really don't feel good about any of these. It, I mean, listen, it would be less conventional than Random House or Penguin. Sure. So that might make it better, but... You want to go with Tor? I mean, I think we're just rolling a three-sided die here, so why not? Okay, we'll lock in with Tor. Okay, locking in with Tor. Brian and Matt, what did you come up with? Well, I'm hoping there's actually a D4 instead of a D3. Brian and I, neither of us knew the name of this author or the series. Like, we had no knowledge of it at all. But it's youth literature. And you said the company owns locations, and they also have publishing rights. So we said, how about Disney? Because they have the Magic Kingdom. Maybe this could oh, be related to that. So we went Disney. Okay, talking with Disney. And what did you give Drew and Tim? Uh, we gave them three. And Tim and Drew, what'd you give Brian and Matt? Two. We gave them two. Well, Drew and Tim, you kind of looked like you had a realization on your face there. 
Yes, the, the, their answer makes so much sense. Well, so far in this series, they've gone to Magic Kingdom, Disney World, Disneyland, and even Disney's Castaway K. This is the Walt Disney Corporation. Uh, Disney Yay, is correct. <laughs> the mind meld pays off. <laughs> uh, and Aaron, it looks like we got a little bit of a flip up there. What happened? Heading into our final question of round number three. It is currently Matt and Brian with 1,500. Drew and Tim, a little bit of ground to make up. They have 800. We've got you right where we wanted you. <laughs> and your question is an don't mess with the a people question. Brian, what did you and Matt say for your confidence here? Uh, this was the one that was kind of a, we, we didn't know for sure, but we both kind of went, uh, maybe strongest. It's it's just wide open with people. We don't know. We went 300 and we're, we're going to poke and hope. We hated it less than the other ones. Sure. That's yes. fair. Uh, totally valid strategy there. Drew, what did you and Tim come up with for yourselves? Uh, for ourselves, we went two here. So, and don't mess with the, in people. According to an online conspiracy theory, which performer born in 1986 had a twin named Kelsey who died after filming their movie and whose death was covered up by Disney before the film's 1998 theatrical release? Assuming this theory isn't true, this would be the first of two Disney films where she would star as two different characters. Yeah, we can lock in. Tim and Drew locked in pretty quickly. Brian and Matt, you can talk it out. I feel pretty good about this one, Matt. The category title is Don't Mess With The... And just before she read the question, I put down Zohan. Don't mess with the Zohan. <laughs> Tim did too. And then it came out and I... Oh, you know what rhymes with Zohan? Lindsay Lohan. And her first movie for Disney was Parent Trap, where she was two different people. So, yeah, let's lock it in. Yes, she was. Let's lock it in. Uh, ex- I, excuse me, miss. I know Haley Mills, and you're no Haley Mills. <laughs> <laughs> so, locking in with Lindsay Lohan? Lindsay Lohan. Okay. And Tim and Drew, you locked in pretty quickly. What'd you come up with? Literally the same thing. As soon as you started talking about the online conspiracy theory, I actually heard this theory. I almost said Avril Lavigne because there's a similar theory with her. This was definitely Lindsay Lohan. And what did y'all say you thought Matt and Brian would achieve here? We said 300. Matt, how did you feel Tim and Drew were going to do here? We put the two on this one. Both teams not missing that don't mess with the clue because, yeah, don't mess with the Zohan does rhyme with Lohan. This is Lindsay Lohan. Matt was right that the 1998 release was Parent Trap. The second one that was the theatrical release that was the second one for her was Freaky Friday, where she also played two characters, Anna and Tess Coleman. Both teams got it right. And both teams are definitely going to get to hear the questions for section four. But how many points will they have when they hear it, Aaron? As we head into our final round, we have a score equal to our largest lead of the night, but it's in the opposite direction. Currently, Matt and Brian head into our final with 1,600 points. Drew and Tim with 700. In section four, your questions are, ouch, in science. This question sucks in business. And that's a nice record in sports. We're locked in. And we're locked in too. Cool. Uh, so while Aaron gets those scores in the score sheet, I'll go ahead and start the next question. In Ouch, a science question, Tim and Drew, how'd you feel about this one? We felt this was going to be our hardest one. Uh, ouch is 100 for us. And Brian and Matt, what did you feel like on this one? Well, I hate sports. 
and I hate business. So we went to three. Okay. Uh, what an odd couple there. Um, so <laughs> I hate sports and I hate business. I'm over here. I'm just over here taking notes. Okay. <laughs> well, in ouch, a science question. What are the four main phases of mitosis in cellular biology in order? These phases happen prior to cytokinesis. Who let Brittany on the show? You. You did. Fuck, you're you right. did. You specifically invited me. <laughs> we learned it from you, okay? Hey, remember when you said, at some point, I want to be on an episode and get to play? <laughs> yeah... Don't talk to me when I'm sober. <laughs> I have bad ideas when I'm sober. <laughs> I, Matt, I don't have anything better. We can do that if you want to. Well, I think at least half of those are right, so we'll lock in. They're locked in with something they think is half right, at least. So, Tim and Drew, you can now talk. God damn it. So we both <laughs> said fuck when I heard this I said, question. That's what I said! That's my Then I said Anaphase, prophase, those are things, no. Tim said, those are things. Which then triggered telephase. Yeah, telephase. And then we, then I said, and? And then I said, is it another phase or something different? That's when Tim let me know that he almost failed bio. <laughs> and I anaphase, feel like the prophase, fourth one like, doesn't fit into the whole phase pattern. Like it's yeah. phase, 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 orange. Like... Yeah. Nothing rhymes with orange. Uh, it's like, aren't you glad I didn't say banana? Knock <laughs> uh, who's there, telephase. <laughs> banana? Anaphase, prophase, telephase. Jesus. Four main phases. <laughs> Sop you up like a biscuit. Ouch. In science. All she gave, all she gave for a clue is ouch. I, I honestly don't know. Drew, I don't think I'm going to pull it. All right, so we're going to lock in with anaphase, prophase, telophase, and clitoris. <laughs> well, you know, you lock in with what feels right to you. Matt and Brian, what did you lock in with? Well, I'm fairly sure you guys are 75% correct. I don't know about the order, but I know prophase was the one I couldn't come up with. We got to anaphase and telophase. I thought about metaphase, and I was like, well, that sort of sounds right, but actually I think that's a Star Trek thing. And then I was like, well, we need another prefix that has to do with like closing or something, and Brian suggested endo. And I said, sure, that could be the last one. It's the endophase. Okay. Because <laughs> it's the end, see? Yeah. So it's at the end. The endo. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of the end, that's the end of the talking portion, but what did you, uh, think Tim and Drew would do here? Or how did you think they would do here? We gave them 100 on this. And Drew and Tim, how did you feel Brian and Matt would do here? We thought this was going to be their strongest category. We put 100. Okay. You thought wrong. <laughs> Um, so, ouch is from a science joke. That is, what did one cell say to his sister when she dropped something on his toe? Ouch, mitosis. That's what it was. So, the four main phases of mitosis in cellular biology that happen after interphase are prophase, metaphase, anaphase, and telophase. Uh, so, if we put both of our answers together, we could have got there. 
If you put them in order, With sure. Our yes. powers combined, <laughs> we are Captain Mitosis. And yes, they do line up to something that something is called cytokinesis, and that's where the cell actually splits. That's why I gave you that in the question, so you wouldn't have to worry about cytokinesis. But they, it was all just a phase, Mom. So both teams missed that one. So what does that look like for us going into the second question, Aaron? It's 1,400 to 700 with Matt and Brian in the lead. Uh, this question sucks in business. Just this one? Uh, I'm, locking <laughs> in, I'm locking in with Dyson right oh, now. Wow. Antagonizing uh, the quiz host. That's a bold move, Cotton. Let's see how it pays off for him. <laughs> Brian and Matt, what did you feel on your abilities here? Well, Brian's hatred of business beat out my hatred of sports, so we went with 100 on this one. Drew and Tim, what did you think about this question sucks in business? How'd you feel? Go ahead, Tim. 200. Okay, 200 here. In this question sucks in business, no one can deny the implications of a red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater might have, but they're still hard to push. What inventor patented the ball barrow in 1974, replacing the wheel with a spherical plastic ball, an innovation they would reuse 30 years later in a different application? Yeah, we're locked in. Okay, Tim and Drew are locked in. Matt and Brian, you can talk this one out. Uh, We had just come to our own consensus on this one. No one can deny the implications of red wheelbarrow glazed with rainwater. See, I'm thinking of a different Dyson sphere, but I think it's still right. So we should go with it. Yeah, Dyson Sphere is not what we were at. Oh. That, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. But it's still a sphere. But if the guy's name is Dyson, that would fit with it sucks. So, uh, Technically, yes. But the category, it's definitely the Dyson vacuum cleaner, does suck. Uh, we agreed pretty quickly that this is Dyson. Okay, locking with Dyson. Drew, what did you and Tim think here? Well, you know, we're going to stick with what I said before the question because I'm honorable. Before you read the question, I said I'm locking in my shot of Dyson, and we're we're going to just be nice and stick with that. I'm sticking with Dyson. Okay. Tim, how did you think Brian and Matt would do on this question? We gave them the middle 200. And Matt, how did you think Tim and Drew were going to do here? Uh, we gave them the three for this one. Okay. Well, uh... Brittany? Yeah. Uh, I believe this is this is a sound clip that should live on in infamy now. What sound clip is that? The sound clip should be this. In the immortal words of Andrew Buxbaum, you motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Drew, you you absolutely pre-called this one. It was James Dyson. Yes, the Dyson sphere is a different thing. It's actually a different Dyson, I believe. Oh, completely Freeman Dyson. Completely different guy. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Futurist. This was James Dyson. Both teams picked it up, but how the wagers worked out, Aaron's going to tell us. As we head into our final question, it is 1,200 to 700. Matt and Brian in the lead over Drew and Tim. Back to you, Skip. It comes down to this question, really. And that's a nice record, our sports question. Tim, what did you think about your abilities here? We went all in on this question and bet 300. And Brian, what did y'all feel here? We went 200 here. Your question, and that's a nice record for sports. With a still standing record for fewest losses in a season, what NHL team tied their 69th regular season game against the Toronto Maple Leafs on March 9th, 1977? The team still finished the regular season with a 68-12 record and went on to win the Stanley Cup. Please give city and team name. All right, well, we're locking. Uh, Drew and Tim have locked in. That means Brian and Matt, you can talk it out. Matt was okay. You 
you take it because yeah, I've heard this somewhere recently, and I'm pretty sure it was on the Benchwarmers trivia podcast. If you like sports trivia, do yourself a favor, go find them because they they do a fantastic show. The team that has won the most is the Montreal Canadiens, but it wasn't them. It was somebody else. And so, Brian, I, I'm fine with your answer. My only uh, devil's advocate uh, bit here would be the question says to name the city and team names. So could this be a team that has moved once or twice? It, it might not be. And I'm just again, that's just devil's advocate. Me knowing, knowing nothing about sports. Right. Just grasping at straws with my not sports knowledge. Mm hmm. Damn it. If that doesn't lead you to another answer, I think we'll Wait, go with what you said. Um, did I help? You did. Oh, good. <laughs> I kid you not. I think I just pulled this from Mallrats. All right. That kid's oh, still on Wait, the escalator. No. <laughs> I mean, if you want to lock in with the backseat of a Volkswagen Beetle, I'm okay with it. It's not a sailboat. It's a schooner. <laughs> I think it's the Hartford Whalers. Okay. Reasoning? Because I made that mental connection when I heard it. It's like, oh, I, I remember hearing about them in Mallrats. And I, I think that's it. What was the name of the category? That's a nice record. Okay. In the question, sure. the question is about sports records. And yes. 69. I saw the 69 thing. I thought that nice. was funny. Yep. Yep. So yeah, we're going. I, I think we're going to go with that. Tim and Drew, what did you lock in with? This was all Drew, really. Yeah, sure. Blame me. If I vaguely rem- remember that this season, Boston was you know either close to or tied the the record for this. So I was just like, could it be Boston? I mean, I too was originally looking for a team that moved, but I couldn't think of a team that's moved that would have that kind of record. Um, that I could easily remember. So we just threw a little Hail Mary here at uh, the Boston Bruins. Yep. Okay, locking in Boston Bruins. And what did you wager on Matt and Brian here? Tim, my paper's a jumbled mess of numbers at this point. <laughs> oh, it's we, we went all in on Brian and Matt not knowing sports, so 300. And Brian, what did you and Matt wager on Drew and Tim? We wagered 200 on them for this one. Okay. Brian, you, you said the correct team as part of your reasoning. You didn't lock it in, but you did say it as part of your reasoning. The team with the still standing record for fewest losses in a season are the Montreal Canadiens from the 1976 to 1977 season. I'm sorry, Matt. That's okay. It doesn't matter. We still won. <laughs> in a ironic twist of fate, the Canadiens was the only team that I submitted for this. Just a, like, I think they were winning in the 70s. That's a thing I heard. So <laughs> anyway, I said the wrong city, though. I said Quebec, not Montreal. Both teams kind of canceled out their scores there. So, well, Aaron, what happened there at the end? Our final score at the end of team play, it was Drew and Tim with 700. Matt and Brian have 1,200, and it'll be Matt and Brian facing off against each other in our second half. Tim, we let each other down. Yeah, those questions just didn't play well for us. It's okay. Well, we have reached the end of our first half, which means that our advancing players are Matt and Brian. Uh, Tim and Drew, you are welcome to stick around and serve as a peanut gallery and lament how much better you would have done in this next round if you would like to. 
And we'll be right back with our head-to-head matchup after this message from our sponsor. Hey, trivia lovers. Want to get the pub trivia experience in an interactive way? Check out Liquid Courage Entertainment. With a wide range of offerings online, LK has you covered. Streaming a wide variety of trivia games on Twitch with one-of-a-kind formats like Tringo, Guestimate, Mega Sheep, and more. Or check out the World Trivia Federation. With 36 hours to answer each quiz and no obligation, the WTF is the perfect solution to scratch that trivia itch on your own time. Come see us at twitch.tv slash liquid underscore courage or check out patreon.com slash liquid courage to join the WTF for as little as $2 a month. That's liquid courage with a K. Innovative, interactive, intoxicating. Who will be winning our Titanic matchup between Matt and Brian? Let's find out. Here's Brittany with our head-to-head. And we will be moving to round two. As a reminder, round two functions like round one, except for when one player locks in, their opponent has only 30 seconds to lock in their answer. For round two, we have Matt versus Brian, and we've split the points they earned and rounded up, and both players are going to start with a 1,000 points. Our first three categories are Lost in a Fog in TV, The Victorious Do Not Expectorate in Science, and Brittany Shatnerizes a Hit in Music. Go ahead and send Aaron your wagers. I, I am locked in with my wagers. Same. Well, then I will go ahead and read this question. Uh, question one is Lost in a Fog, which is our TV category, and for our our listeners, that's Lost in a Fog with two Gs. Matt, what did you wager on your own ability here? I'm usually pretty okay on TV. FOGG suggests maybe an area that I'm not super familiar in, so I just went with 100. Okay, and Brian, how'd you feel here? Of these three, I liked that one the best, so I went 300 here. Here's your question. Of all the rooms that appeared as part of the Temple Run on Legends of the Hidden Temple, which is the only one that appeared on every episode. And thank you, Aaron, for this question. Locked in. Uh, Matt's locked in, so that means, Brian, you have 30 seconds to talk this out. Shit. (laughs) I didn't know this existed until about 10 years ago. I completely missed this show on television. So I am going to have to... well, Well, okay, so it has to be the actual... Oh... I'm going to go with the tar pit. The tar pit. Okay. What Matt, what did you come up with? Uh, just trying to force Brian's hand on this one. I don't think it's right, but I said the throne room because that sounded good. That sounded like a final destination. Okay. Uh, Tim, you're raising your hand vehemently. What are your thoughts? I knew this immediately. Uh, this is the shrine of the silver monkey. Uh, if we're gonna if we're gonna say it, yeah, we need to say it right. It's the shrine of the silver monkey. <laughs> Fun fact, actually, for Star Wars fans, the guy who voiced Olmec is the same guy who voices all of the clones in Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch. It's D. Bradley, oh, Bradley Baker. Bradley Baker. Oh, there you go. Nice. Okay, that's awesome. As both of our non-playing people said, this is the Shrine of the Silver Monkey, and I can't do the voice very well, so we're just going to go with that. Brian, what did you wager on Matt here? I should have given him more points on this. I gave him 100. And Matt, what did you give Brian here? I knew Brian was strong on TV, so I gave him one. Well, with both teams missing it, Aaron, what did that do to our, our scores? 
After our first question in head-to-head matchup, Matt stays pat with 1,000 points, while Brian moves down to 800. Okay, your second question is in the Victorious Do Not Expectorate, a science question. Brian, what'd you wager on yourself here? This was the one that sounded scariest. I went with 100. And Matt, how'd you feel here? Uh, Of the three, I thought this was going to be my best, so I said three. In the Victorious Do Not Expectorate, answering a question asked since 1975, 20.1 miles per hour is the unladen airspeed velocity of what type of bird? Though it could be as high as 40.2 miles per hour, depending on if we base our math on a European or African model. Locked in. Brian's locked in. Matt, you have 30 seconds. What do you mean? An African or European swallow? Swallow. <laughs> God. That locking in swallow. Brian, what'd you say? Well, of course, we all know that the bird of wisdom is the owl. The bird of peace is the dove. And the bird of love, the bird of true love, is the swallow. Nice. <laughs> and Tim, you're offering some extra commentary here. Did you just make a spit or swallow joke? <laughs> I might have. Um, and uh, Brian, what'd you wager on Matt here? I did not wager this one right. I gave him 200. And Matt, what'd you give Brian? I gave him three because he said he hates science. Yeah, uh, the victorious do not expect rate is a fancy way of saying champions don't spit. Um, and this is, in fact, uh, African or European swallow from Monty Python and the uh, Holy Grail. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> I think we broke Tim. <laughs> I think we did break Tim. You seem so stoic on all the episodes that I've listened to. He's never been on the player side before. He knows <laughs> he's seen the questions beforehand. I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I made Tim cry. Achievement Mission accomplished. We did it. I think that's going to be the, tip, the title of the episode. Hey, I made, made Tim, Tim cry. cry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that thing we talked about and put that in the show notes. Thank you for the science, not science TV question. (laughs) You're welcome. Uh Movies question, I guess. You're welcome. I do nice things occasionally. Hey, speaking of nice things, what happened there with scores, Aaron? Nice pause, Brittany. (laughs) At the end of our second question, it looks like... It looks like Matt trying to shoot to be king of the Britons here. He's got a thousand points. A hundred points were lost to Brian and the giant rabbit of Carabinog. He's in it with 700. And question number three is in music, and it is Britney Shatnerizes a hit. Oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. Matt, how'd you feel on your ability here? Uh, I went with 200 just because, you know, you threw Shatner in there, which had me, you know, music again could be tough. So, yeah, 200. And Brian, how'd you feel here? I, process of elimination, put myself down for 200. So, and Brittany Shatnerizes a hit. Name this song that spent two weeks at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 in 1988. Your heart's been aching, but you're too shy to say it inside. We both know what's been going on. We know the game, and we're gonna play it. Locked in. Brian is locked in. Matt, you have 30 seconds. It sounds familiar. Um, let me think about it. We, both know the, we know the game and we're going to play it. 88. Well, I was 10 and Brian was considerably older, so he, he probably knows it. Um, Flashdance, I don't know. <laughs> Locking in with Flashdance. Brian, what'd you say? Uh, actually, in 88, I would have been 18. So, I mean, I'm not that much older than you. <laughs> 
Your heart's been aching, but you're too shy to there say it. Inside, we both know what's been going on. We know the game, and we're gonna play. I have no idea what it is. Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> this is never gonna give you up by the wonderful Rick Astley and Brittany just rickrolled us. And Brian, if I ask you how you're feeling about Matt's ability here, what would you say? I put down 300. Okay, got to make you understand, Matt. What did you wager here on Brian? All I had left was two, so there you go. Well, yeah, Brian got it and sang it for us, so I don't even have to do that part. Uh, this is, in fact, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. Yep. As soon as he started, I was like, son of a... <laughs> yeah. Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. We did Rickroll the podcast. You're welcome, everyone, and uh, sort of not... Sorry. Aaron, what did that do to the scores? Well, big swings have been the name of the game here today, and this round was no different. Both players started off at 1,000 points heading into it. At the end of our first round, it is currently Brian with 1,200, Matt with 600. Okay, your categories in round number two are House EU in history, Flambe from a land down under in food and drink, and Not That Kind of Light Bright in film and TV. Go ahead and send Aaron your wagers. Well, Tim still processes everything from from the first part. I just want to applaud you, Brittany. I, I had two of those three, so I know why Jay told me to eat her entire ass uh, when she was in the second half. Because I know how I know how she feels. You know, when I'm building a game and deciding where questions should go, when I look at round two, I like to consider. What's going to be more gettable if you're playing as a single player? When I'm trying to decide where in the half to put it, I, I think, what do I want these players to hear? And I really wanted you to hear the Shrine of the Silver Monkey question because I knew either, A, you were going to nail it right away, or B, you were going to be very upset that you were not playing that question. Or C, you hear the que- you hear the answer and you're like, oh, of course, dumbass, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's an option in any part of the game, so... And scores are set. Thank you. So, in House EU, our history question, Brian, how did you feel about your ability here? I gave myself 100 on this one. And Matt, how did you feel about your ability here? Me too. 100. Okay. Well, here's your question in House EU. What European house had rulers in France, Navarre, Spain, Naples, Sicily, and Parma, and has Prince Louis, the Duke of Anjou, as its current head? The final ruler in the French line was Charles X, and they likely have very little association with Kentucky. Locked in. That's locked in. Brian, you have 30 seconds. Little association with Kentucky. Well, Louis in the question, so it's not Louisville. Um, what European house had rulers in France, Navarre, Spain, Naples, Sicily, Parma, and Prince Louis, of Duke, the Duke of Anjou, as its current head. So it's no longer the bad guy from A Knight's Tale, because he was from Anjou. Isn't that the Sasha you have with roast beef? Uh, I will go with the Kentucky House of Bourbon. The, going with the House of Bourbon? Matt, what did you lock in with? Son of a bitch, Brian! <sighs> That's what I went to. I said bourbon. You also went to the House of Bourbon? <laughs> yep. Uh, Matt, how did you think Brian was going to do on this one? I put 200 on him because I figured he probably wouldn't get it, but he got there. Uh, Brian, what did you say for Matt on this one? I, I'm hoping we're both wrong because I gave him 300. 
I'll say this. They do pronounce it Bourbon, but it is 100% the house of Bourbon. <laughs> Major ruling house of France and Spain back in like, I don't know, 14, 1500 sounds about right. Aju is the side of sauce, which I know you were going for that. But yeah, this was this was the house of Bourbon. Tim, did you know this one? I did not, Brittany. I The only thing I said to Aaron was, is it Frankfurt? Um, I mean, yeah, the House of Frankfurters, I think that's just the Wiener Circle in Chicago. But both players got this one right. But what did that do to their scores, Aaron? Even though both players got it right, both took a little bit of a backpedal, misjudging their opponent's skill here. Currently, the score is Brian with 1,000, Matt with 500. Well, this one is in the category Flambe from a land down under. Matt, what did you wager on your ability in food and drink? I went with two. Brian, what did you wager on your ability in food and drink? I went uh, 200 on this one. Both of y'all saying 200 on your own abilities here. Let's see how that plays off. In Flambe from a land down under. What dessert that originated at a restaurant called Brennan's features a sauce made from butter, brown sugar, cinnamon, dark rum, and a liqueur that imitates the fruit involved, which is usually set on fire tableside? The dessert takes its name from the chairman of the New Orleans Crime Commission. I'm needlessly locked in. Okay. Tim's needlessly locked in. Locked in. Matt's locked in. So that means, Brian, you have 30 seconds. Okay. Butter, brown sugar, cinnamon, dark rum, and a liqueur that imitates the fruit involved, which is usually set on fire table side. I know one, I, I can only think of one dessert that is lit on fire that also has the name of a fruit involved. So I don't know how this comes from that particular chairman, but I will say Cherry's Jubilee. Brian Lucky and Cherry's Jubilee. Matt, what did you say? I went with Bananas Foster. Matt going with Bananas Foster. Uh, Brian looking very upset by that, but uh, Matt, what did you say on Brian's ability here? I went with the three. Okay, and uh, Brian, what did you say on Matt's ability here? I only gave him one. So, uh, Tim, you needlessly locked in, but what'd you lock in with? This would be, I believe, the most common wrong answer in the Cherry's Jubilee question on Learned League just this week, uh, Bananas Foster. Yeah, this is uh, certainly Bananas Foster, the clue flambe from a land down under. Foster is supposedly called Amer- uh, Australia's beer. Australian for beer. Yeah, Australian for beer. I can't do Australian. I don't know. I'm sorry, any Australian listeners, for what I just did to your beautiful, beautiful accents. Matt, you got it right. Where Brian, you got it wrong. But sometimes that doesn't matter when it comes to scoring. Aaron, what did it say here? Have I mentioned that this game has been characterized by wild point swings? Because it's been characterized by wild point swings. Right now, the score is Matt with 1,000, Brian with 700 after an 800-point swing in that last question. I really thought you were going to pull it again, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were like, the only one I, I know that's set on fire is Cherry's Jubilee. Oh. I had to think it for about 10 seconds, and I was like, come on, I know it's in there. <laughs> question three is not that kind of light bright in film and TV. Brian, would you wager on your ability here? I gave myself 300 on the film and TV category. Matt, what did you give yourself on this one? Uh, all I had left was three, so let's go. Here's your question. In Not That Kind of Light Bright, played on screen in Lord of the Rings properties by Mark Ferguson and more recently by Benjamin Walker, 
What Elven King gave Elrond control of Eriador and marched with Elendil to face Sauron in the last war of the Second Age, where both were slain in battle. Locked in. Matt's locked in. Brian, you have 30 seconds. Damn it, Matt. <laughs> um, ask me a lot of the race question. What do you want? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's right. Elven King. Oh, damn it. He marched with Elendil. Oh, damn it. Uh, Tenuviel. Okay, saying Tenuviel. Matt, what did you say? I said Gilgalad. Gilgalad. Brian, you look so angry. I'm so sorry that you're angry. Oh, Matt, damn it. <laughs> Matt, what did you wager on Brian here? Uh, I knew he was strong in TV, so just the one. And Brian, what did you wager on Matt? Uh, 200. Tim, Aaron, did y'all know this one? I had no clue. Fuck me sideways on this. <laughs> the only other Elven King I could think of that was in the films. I haven't watched the Amazon show, so I'm not sure. But the only other one I could think of was Celeborn. And I don't think that was him because that was after. No, Celeborn oh, yeah. was. Um, he was in charge of um, the other forest. Not, not, not the uh, yeah. Yeah. I know that actor. I can't. I, I'm. Yeah. Not pulling it second, but if I if you said his name, I go, yeah, that guy. Um, damn it. Brian asked me a difficult Lord of the Rings question earlier today, so turnabout was fair play that I asked him a difficult <laughs> Lord of the Rings question. This one, uh, it was in fact Gilgalad or Gilgalad. Uh, I believe Gilgalad is the correct pronunciation. So Matt, you did get this one right. Brian, you did miss it. Uh, but Aaron, what did that do to the scores? It's another 900 points to swing in Matt's direction. Heading into round number three, our scores are Matt with 1,400, Brian with 200. Well, Brian, you get to hear all the categories. We'll see what are you talking about? Hey, yeah. hey, give him a shot, man. <laughs> Wild swings. This is what this game's all about. It is. <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Absolutely there's a chance. Ted, we've seen wilder things happen on this show. Yeah, we had a we had a big swing. I don't remember which episode it was, but oh, there there was a, a huge one that one, yeah. Didn't it go back and forth? Like we had a nine hundred point one way and a nine hundred point the other way, and then yeah, we made a thousand I, point swing one time. Yeah, something like that. Didn't happen. Um, but let's see if it happens here. So your categories are: Let's go see the Queen in language. This American podcaster and people. And please clap in music. So I have to stop and consider that sometimes you're going to throw nerdy shit in here. So it's okay. Language, I'm... Eh. Wait, unless you go nerdy languages, in which case I have a... Uh, <laughs> yeah, if, you go, if you go Klingon, I'm screwed. Both teams' wagers are in. In Let's Go See the Queen, our language category, Matt, what did you wager on yourself? That was a good question. I didn't write it down, but I typed it. Uh, I think I wrote 300. Uh, that tracks. Brian, what did you say for yourself here? I gave myself 100. Okay. So, and let's go see the queen, a language question. While both words could be said to be associated with dairy, what two similar looking words describe a type of undergarment and a container to burn charcoal for cooking or heating? Give the words in the respective order. Locked in. Brian is locked in. Matt, you have 30 seconds. Oh, dear. All right. Oh, oh, got it. Brazier 
and Brazier. Locking in with that. Brian, what did you lock in with? As a teenaged dungeon master reading text about uh descriptions of dungeon rooms to my friends. I got ridiculed several times for mispronouncing uh, brazier as brazier, and they went, oh, it's that kind of room, and I'm like, <laughs> so this was an instant get. This is this was brazier and brazier. Yeah, I mean, definitely both could be involved with dungeon parties of a sort. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brian, how'd you feel about Matt's ability here? I only gave him 100. And Matt, how did you feel about Brian's ability here? I went with two. Tim, did you figure out this one? I mean, I had the brazier, but I I was not going to get to Brazier. Okay. Well, did anyone pick up what the Let's Go See the Queen was referencing? Dairy Queen? Yes, it is referencing Dairy Queen. No, for their Brazier. Uh, how they used to go. Oh, that's clever. Very well done. Well, before you tell us about the scores, Aaron, why don't you tell us about the coolest Dairy Queen in the world? The coolest Dairy Queen in the world is in Moorhead, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yay. Why is it so cool? Uh, because they have like 18 kabillion flavors of blizzards and you can get chili dogs and original barbecue sandwiches. Also, in case you're curious... The Moorhead Dairy Queen is the home of the Dilly Bar. That is where the Dilly Bar was created. Mm-hmm. See, I thought here you were going to give us like an actual fact, like it's the farthest north, like on the lo- on latitude no. <laughs> of, no, of the Dairy Queen. Yeah, they created the Dilly Bar at the Moorhead store. And part of their contract with Dairy Queen is that they can operate as an independent Dairy Queen in perpetuity. So they're able to offer things like you haven't seen on a Dairy Queen menu in a very long time, like uh, Mr. Maltese. They're malted cups. They offer banana tails, which are frozen bananas. These are things that they offer old treats like a Jack and Jill Sunday. Yeah, these are all things that they can offer there because of their contract. Yeah, it's one of my favorite places to go when I come to visit you. Oh, it's because um, the banana, you, the banana it's, cream it's pie awesome. blizzard is killer. Yeah, the banana cream pie blizzard is awesome. Uh, Do they have the biggest ball of twine in the backyard? No, but they have the world's largest dilly bar outside. <laughs> yeah, take a with it. It's, they also have a cow. Yeah, they it's have never going to melt. Oh, sure. Uh, what did that do to our scores here? Uh, it didn't change a whole lot except increase Matt's lead just slightly. Brian lives on the question another day, though. It is 1,500 to 200 in favor of Matt. I like the phrase, question another day. So our question, too, is this American podcaster in people? Brian, how'd you feel about your abilities here? I went 200 here. And Matt, how did you feel? The only podcasts I listen to have to do with trivia, so if it's not one of those, I'm screwed. I said 100. Well, let's see if you're screwed. What um, <laughs> in This American Podcaster, what American investigative journalist and former producer of This American Life helped vacate the sentence of Adnan Syed after the first season of her true crime podcast serial prompted further investigation into his conviction? A fictionalized version of her was played by Tina Fey on Only Murders in the Building. I knew this was going to be what you were going to ask, and I still don't know the answer. <laughs> Mildly I was, annoyed. <laughs> I, I was like, she's about to ask who created Serial. Locked in. Uh, Matt is locked in. Brian, you now have 30 seconds. So we're only two episodes into Only Murders in the Building, so I can't even pull from that. True crime is one of those categories that my wife loves. I don't touch it. I can't stand true crime. So I am absolutely hosed here. All I can do is hope that Matt locked in fast to keep me from coming up with an answer. I'm going to throw out. What? what? I, I'm going to throw out a 
complete guess of uh, Lucky Phillips. Lucky Phillips. Okay. And Matt, did you pull a Kalori crash and try to uh, trip up Brian? Uh, possibly. I thought of the only like podcaster that I've heard of that I've never listened to. I think I've seen him once or twice on CBS. I said Mo Rocca. Okay. Going with Mo Rocca. And Matt, what did you wager on Brian's ability here? I went with three. And Brian, what did you wager on Matt's ability here? I went 200. Well, neither... Uh, player is picking this one up the person who ran the true crime podcast serial who also is a producer on this american life is sarah koenig and the fictionalized version of her is cinda canning on only murders in the building aaron can you update us on the score go ahead even though both players got it wrong the lead increased with brian still sitting at 200 matt is currently at 1700 heading into our final question of this round Brian is a Bee Gees fan. Uh, Brian, Brian is that guy hanging on the edge of the building just by his fingertips and still never giving up. Very Rick Astley of you, Brian. Um. <laughs> From the depths of hell, I spit at thee. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. and please clap our music question. Matt, what did you wager on yourself? Uh, I went with two on this one. And Brian, what did you wager on yourself here? 300. Okay. Here's your question, and please clap. Though no one told them they would be better known for their work on television, what group had their first Billboard Top 40 hit in 1990 with Just the Way It Is, Baby? Oh, all right. Locked in? <laughs> with a very tentative lock in, but we'll count I, it. Yeah. Well, Brian, you now have 30 seconds. Oh, God. Okay. No one told them they would be better known for their work on television. So it's, I'll be there for you. What the na- what's the name of that fucking band? I, something's tickling my brain. I'm going to say that the name of that band is Breakfast at Tiffany's. And I don't think that's right, but that's what I'm going with. Okay, saying Breakfast at Tiffany's. Matt, what did you say? I'm going to tell Brian the right answer first. It's the Proclaimers. The wrong answer that I said was Jesse and the Rippers because I thought this was some dumb John Stamos song that they were known better for their appearances on Full House. And Tim, you're shaking your head. Do you disagree with both of our players? Yeah, the right an- The Proclaimers are 500 miles. Oh, now, shit. This is the Rembrandts. Rembrandts. Okay. Well, Tim is correct, but... Let's find out what happened when I asked Matt, what did you wager on Brian here? All I had left was one because I knew TV was the strongest. And Brian, what did you wager on Matt? I knew that music was a little bit more of a weakness, so I went 300. So, Aaron, what did that do to our scores? Uh, Not a whole lot, actually, to be honest. Brian stayed pat at 200 through the entire round. Matt has 1,600. Well, Brian, you're going to get to hear all three categories in this final section. Yay! Let's see how this does. (laughs) Those fingertips are strong. Your final three categories are let's integrate, don't differentiate in math. Mark me down as scared and horny in religion and mythology. And scratch, you're probably wondering what I've got here in science. Okay, let's go ahead and get this. He's got your wedges locked in. <laughs> hey, you've been holding on to this train wreck. Okay. 
And let's integrate, don't differentiate our math question. Brian, how did you feel? Math is not one of my strongest, so I went 100 here. And Matt, what did you say here? I know a decent amount of the like actual names of mathematicians and the names of some of the like uh, geometrical theorems and whatnot. But as far as like actual functions and stuff past calculus, yeah, not so great. So I went with one. Okay, and let's integrate, don't differentiate. Both rocking fantastic hair, Isaac Newton and Gottfried Wilhelm Leibniz developed what branch of mathematics, though not together? According to notes found in 2000, it was indicated that you plus me equals us. Wow, Brittany. Tim, you look like you hate me. Uh, I believe it was the sage philosopher Jay Borsum who said... Mm -hmm. My entire ass, Brittany. <laughs> I have indeed heard that from Jay Borson before. On this um, podcast. I am locked in. Matt, I know you just sent me your answer, but go ahead and talk out your thought process. Yeah, I'm not going to like belabor the point here. I'm pretty sure Newton dealt with calculus, so I'm going to go with that. I think I, I have a vague memory of um, when they, they had the Star Trek Next Generation episode with... Uh, Stephen Hawking and Isaac Newton and Einstein playing in the holodeck with data and Newton or uh, Hawking was talking some uh, math gibberish to Newton and Newton said, I invented calculus uh, or something like that. So yeah, calculus. Brian, what did you lock in with? Um, thanks to listening to trivia podcasts, I kind of had the same memory of, or well, a similar memory of talking about uh, two different people coming up with calculus at the same time. Couldn't have told you who they were, but I, re I remember that it was like two separate people came up with it simultaneously, separately. So I also locked in with calculus. Okay, and what did you say on Matt's ability here? I gave him 200. Okay. And Matt, what did you say for Brian's ability here? I gave him three. Okay. And Tim... So, so it, it's really funny that we all got to this from three different ways, all at the same time. It's kind of ironic. Um, so, so Matt got it from Star Trek. Brian got it from Trivia Podcast. I got it because the band together uh, wrote a song in 2000 called You Plus Me, equal, or ha, that featured the line, You Plus Me Equals Us. It's a, I know my calculus. It says, You Plus Me Equals Us. Yeah, and in the bridge, it says, Let's integrate, don't differentiate. Matt also said that he didn't know much math beyond calculus before I asked the question about calculus. <laughs> um, it is, in fact, calculus. You're welcome, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, what did that do to our scores? Both sides slipping just a little coming out of that one. At the end of our first question in the final round, it is Matt with 1,400, Brian with 100. We are moving right along to Mark Me Down is Scared and Horny, our religion and mythology question. Matt, what did you wager on your ability here? I went, went, went ahead with 300 because I have a decent knowledge in uh, religion, having been raised as such, and uh, that. And I like mythology, too. So, Brian, what did you wager on your own ability here? 
I also went 300. I felt pretty good about this one. Let's see if you still feel good after I ask the question in Mark Me Down as Scared and Horny. Lucy Lawless and Gal Gadot have portrayed characters from which mythical group of warriors who supposedly underwent a mastectomy to prevent interference with their bows? According to Rick Riordan, this group is also now responsible for keeping your two-day shipping abreast. Locked in. Do you want a three, two, one? I <laughs> we probably can. Yeah. All right. Let's three, two, one. Tim, you want to get in on it? Okay. Then uh, three, two, one. Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, okay. Uh, Brian, what did you wager on Matt here? 300. And Matt, what did you wager on Brian? 100. Okay. Uh, Tim, did you have this one? I did, but I decided to just let the players have uh, oh, sure. the 3 two, one. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was obviously Amazon. There were way too many clues that said Amazon there. Uh, yeah, there were. How many words into this did you figure out it was Amazon's? <laughs> Uh, Lucy Lawless and Gal Gadot have portrayed <laughs> characters from which mythical group of warriors? Okay. We can stop right there. You said the first two, and I was like, all right, Amazon? Yeah, yep. okay, good. Um, so, Aaron, what did that do to our scores? Matt finds the 200 points he lost in the last question while Brian stands pat. It is currently 1,600 to 100. Going into our final question of the game. <laughs> well, y'all aren't going to believe this. But we are going to hear the final question. Brian, what did you wager on your ability in Scratch? You're probably wondering what I've got here. Our science question. I left. Uh, what I had left was 200. And Matt? Me too. Same thing. 200. Well, your question in Scratch. You're probably wondering what I've got here in science. In mineral identification, if the substance you're testing scratches quartz but not topaz, that means its hardness falls between which two whole numbers on the Mohs scale of mineral hardness. Right. All right. Locked in. Uh, Matt is locked in. Brian, you can talk this out for 30 seconds. Yeah, it. All right. If the substance you're testing scratches quartz, but not topaz. Okay. Quartz is one of the softest minerals as far as the hardness scale. Um, or well, I think it is anyway. Which two whole numbers on the... I don't remember what the Mohs scale is. I want to say the Mohs scale is like 1 to 14 or something like that. Um, I, it's right. between it's between 2 and 3. Between 2 and 3. Okay. Matt, what did you say? Well, Brian, you might have been thinking of the pH scale, which goes from negative 7 to positive 7 for the 14. Probably. Probably. Um, the Mohs scale goes 1 to 10, if I'm remembering correctly. Number 1 is talc, and number 10 is diamond. I don't remember specifically which two are quartz and topaz, but I figured they were somewhere in the middle, so I said 5 and 6. Okay, Matt, going 5 and 6. Tim, what did you think on this? I mean, I had no idea. My father-in-law would have had this dead to rights, but uh, I said 3 and 4. Matt, what did you say on Brian's ability here? All I had left was 2. And Brian, what did you say on Matt's ability? I had 100 left. Okay. Well, none of you are right, including Tim. <laughs> um, because quartz is 7 and topaz is 8. Okay. So uh, yeah, Matt was right in that it is a 1 to 10 scale. Um, but that brings us to the end of that question. Aaron, what happened to our scores? You can ring the bell. It's a knockout in this epic matchup between two titans.
Matt finishes with 1,600. Brian has zero. So, uh, thanks, Aaron, for that score update. That means, Matt, that makes you our best frenemy for this week. Before you go, we want to give you a chance to plug anything you would like to plug. Oh, goodness. Um, If you have not watched Star Trek Strange New Worlds yet... I would suggest that you do that. Um, it is fantastic, and it's both um, hearkening back to the the spirit of the original series while uh, keeping current with uh, current issues uh, dealing with representation and uh, bigotry and how we should handle those as a civilized um, society. Just fantastic subject matter, great visuals, lots of fun. Go watch Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Not sponsored. Oh, yeah. No, not a sponsor. <laughs> um, and Brian, you're our runner-up today. Anything you'd like to plug? Um, if you like this kind of nerdy shit, you can hear me on Twitch on Thursday nights around 9, 9.30 Central Time. Uh, I join up with Jeremy Goodson on LK Jeremy on Twitch. And we do geeky trivia every every Thursday night, so you can find me there. But for actual like causes and stuff like that, uh, my default is always please be kind. Uh, remember yeah. that we're all going through things, and we've all got a hard row to hoe. So when you have the choice to be kind or not choose kindness and to add on to that if you can be an ally to someone who is having a hard time be there for them That's a absolutely wonderful message absolutely endorse that uh drew do you have anything you'd like to plug or rival trivia podcasts uh check out the nerd off podcast uh it's, it comes out every one or two weeks depending on uh my mental health status um and uh, it's a good time tim's been on there a bunch so if you're putting up with his crap here come put up with his crap over there tim before i ask if there's anything you'd like to plug i want to get your thoughts on what it felt like to be on the contestant side it's definitely a lot more difficult than it sat than it than it seems from the host side I'll, i will give you that uh has but it, it was a lot of fun I, I say again i was gonna say has it given you a new appreciation for our players uh i maybe We'll see. We'll see if this changes anything. I don't think so. You're supposed to say yes. Has it given you a new found enmity for our players? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, this was fun. Uh, I definitely play again. Well, excellent. Uh, is there anything you would like to plug? Yeah. If you like uh, trivia, like you hear here on Frenemy Trivia, you can catch me every Friday on uh, Frenemy Trivia. Um, but no, in all seriousness, uh, plug our sister shows, um, the Pub Trivia Experience and Boozy Bracketology, uh, two great shows. Pub Trivia Experience is kind of a lighthearted trivia podcast where uh, Boozy Bracketology is the idea of getting drunk and arguing with your f- best friends uh, on what is the best thing. Um, I think at the time of recording, we are about to release the final in this fantasy and sci-fi, but I don't know where we will be when it comes to the, uh, when, when we're actually releasing, but definitely check those podcasts out. 
Absolutely. Uh, coming up for sure, I know Chris would mention, is our ultimate best movie of the 1980s, which is going to be a mega, 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 mega bracket. I'm not even going to try to guess how many movies we're going to go through. I think it's about 256. Yeah, 256. It's a 256. It's wow. something ridiculous. Yeah, um, it's awesome. A smaller bracket that's coming at some point that I will be on because I have opinions and knowledge on the subject is the best flavor of Pop-Tart. So oh, wow. it's a wide range of things we discuss at Boozy. Uh, but that will do it for, oh, um, and Aaron, is there anything you would like to plug before you go? Yeah, come visit the more. Yeah, come visit the Moorhead Dairy Queen. Okay, and that will do it here for us at Frenemy Trivia. Make sure to follow us at Frenemy Trivia on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find our sister shows, The Pub Trivia Experience and Boozy Bracketology on your favorite podcast app. Come hang out with us on Facebook in the lounge or join our Discord at ptebb.com slash Discord or support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ptebb. If you can't swing it, we completely understand. Times are tough and you can still support us by subscribing and leaving us a review on your favorite or your least favorite podcast app. We're there too. Interested on being on Frenemy, PTE, or Boozy? Let us know at ptebb.com slash appearance request. For Frenemy Trivia, I've been Brittany. I'm Aaron. I've been Matt. I'm Ron Burgundy. I've been Brian. And I've been Tim. And we'll see you next week. whatever plastic is being done to be yeah hold on one second i'm getting a different vape out not my <laughs> nicotine vape this is so, going so well already remember how we asked aaron to be uh... <laughs> all i have is a bead bracelet so you know that's all i can do oh i'm over here scissoring don't mind me <laughs> the foley on this one's gonna be that's great they all said <laughs> you know what the thing so... is though that's going to be the tag at the end of the episode. The beautiful thing, though, is if Aaron's co-hosting, we can easily ask him to edit this. <laughs> by, by the way, I just want to note, Brittany, just for you, I wasn't clicking one. I wasn't clicking a pen. You're I was clicking, clicking four? four pens. <laughs> <laughs> yes, okay. thank you for not clicking the one pen. I appreciate it. Okay, oh, so I... Go. I'm going to do a... How does it feel having already lost complete control of this, Brittany? <laughs> oh, don't, don't make me bring out the safe words, okay? So this is I what happens when out. I'm on this side <laughs> of the game. <laughs> yes.